Welcome to Explain It. For the fourth Sunday of Easter, the gospel lesson is taken from the Gospel of John, John chapter 16, verses 16 through 33. Now in this gospel, Jesus says some words, uh, but the disciples don't understand what he's talking about. In verse 16, he says, In a little while you will see me no more, and then after a little while you will see me. And so the disciples talk amongst themselves, and they say, What does he mean by this? And what is he talking about? We, we don't understand um, what he's referencing. What, what does this talk about? A little while you will see me no more. And then after a little while you will see me. So the text uh, references this, beginning at verse 17. It says, Some of his disciples said to one another, What does he mean by saying, In a little while you will see me no more. And then after a little while you will see me. Because I'm going to the Father. So they kept asking, What does he mean? by a little while. We don't understand what he's saying. Jesus uh, hears this conversation and he says, are you asking one another what I meant when I said, in a little while you will see me no more, and then after a little while you will see me? And then he says, as he often does, uh, I tell you the truth, or uh, verily, verily. He says, I tell you the truth. You will weep and mourn while the world rejoices, and you will grieve, but your grief will turn to joy. And then he gives this, uh, this uh, illustration, this example from uh, everyday life. He says, a woman giving birth to a child has pain because her time has come. But when her baby is born, she forgets the anguish because of her joy that a child is born into the world. And so he says, so with you. Now is your time of grief. But I will see you again and you will rejoice and no one will take your joy away. So what does this mean in a little while, but after a little while? What is this, what is this time frame referring to? Well, I think there's, there's two ways that uh, you can see this. Uh, the first is um, the time period between the death and the burial of Jesus and his resurrection. Uh, the disciples will abandon Jesus. They will scatter. Uh, they will go into hiding. Um, he will be uh, led to the cross. Uh, then he will be put in the tomb, locked away. Uh, on the third day, though, he will rise again. And so there's that little period there that they won't see him anymore. And, and to their eyes, they will see as if, if, if everything has ended. Um, it is finished from a worldly perspective. But as we know from the words of Jesus, that it is finished refers to sin and death and, and the devil. The second time period, um, I think, also applies, which is this period between the uh, ascension of Jesus into the clouds and his promised reappearance. So after 40 days, Jesus teaches his disciples and he's with them, uh, opening up the Old Testament scriptures to them. But on that 40th day, he ascends and uh, they see him ascend into heaven and the angels say to the disciples, uh, why are you looking up into the sky? Uh, this same Jesus will reappear in the same way that he was uh, taken up into heaven. Now we say reappear in, in a very um, kind of a very clear way to suggest that Jesus has not uh, left his uh, disciples. He's not left his church. He is among us. We hear his words. Uh, he is present in the bread and the wine where two or three are gathered. There he is among us, and he even says to his disciples, "I'll." I will be with you always to the very end of the age. But we don't see him as he was with his disciples. 
And so in a little while, you will see me no more. Uh, from the time of the ascension of Jesus to the promised time of his reappearance after a little while. And from our point of reference, that after a little while is hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. But the promise is that Jesus himself will one day reappear and we will see him. Jesus says, verily, I tell you the truth. During this period between in a little while, you will see me no more. But after a little while, you will see me. In that uh, in-between time, you will weep and mourn. The world will rejoice, but your grief will turn to joy. We do see it in the time period of the crucifixion, don't we? Uh, uh, the disciples mourning and weeping and the, the women going to the tomb uh, full of grief and the world mocking and rejoicing at the death of Jesus. But on that Easter morning, the grief turns to joy. It's the way of suffering for us now as uh, the church, the time of grief. Uh, the scriptures describe it as we are aliens and strangers. So in this time period uh, between the ascension and the promised reappearance of Jesus, uh, we also have this time of grief. And the world also does mock and also does rejoice. But the promise is, is that one day Jesus will reappear and make all things new. He'll take us to himself. But now this, this life that we live in this world, fighting the unholy trinity, the devil and the world, and our own sinful flesh, it's a way of suffering, isn't it? Uh, it is the time of grief. We, we feel as if we are aliens and, and strangers, and rightly so. Our home is uh, with Christ. So Jesus is very clear to his disciples during the ministry. He says, there is, there is much to fear, little flock. In this world, you will, you will have trouble. Uh, but don't be afraid. Don't be afraid, for I am with you, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give to you the kingdom. Now, this is part of uh, the church, uh, past, present, and into the future, this way of suffering. We see it in the prophets. In Isaiah chapter 40, uh, the prophet uh, is uh, speaking, why do you say, O Jacob, and complain, O Israel? My way is hidden from the Lord, my cause disregarded by my God. The people are crying out, God has forsaken us. Uh, why this suffering? Why has it come to us? And then Isaiah comforts them and says, Do you not know, have you not heard, the Lord is the, the everlasting God? In Lamentations, uh, the very book speaks of this way of suffering. Uh, the writer says, I remember my affliction and my wandering and the bitterness and the gall, and my soul is downcast within me. And yet he says, this I call to mind, because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed for his compassions, never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The psalmist often speak of this uh, lament as well. Uh, in Psalm 73, when my heart was grieved and my spirit embittered, I was senseless and ignorant. Uh, the psalmist says, I was a brute beast before you. And yet that, uh, that consolation, yet I am always with you. You hold me by my right hand and you guide me with your counsel. And, and afterward, you will take me into glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? And earth has nothing I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Uh, 
And then Peter says, 1 Peter chapter 2, dear, dear friends, I urge you as, and here's the phrase, as aliens and strangers in this world. Uh, that's, that's our identity. We are uh, not fitting into this world as, uh, as Christians. Uh, I urge you as aliens and strangers in this world to abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul. But live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he, he visits us. And so there's, that, again, that promise of the reappearance of Jesus. But now, uh, this time period is the time of your grief, Jesus says. It's the time of our grief. He says, but I tell you the truth, you will weep and mourn while the world goes on rejoicing. You will grieve but your grief will turn to joy. He uses, again, this, this everyday illustration of a woman giving birth. Um, and she has this pain because she knows that the time has come. Uh, the baby is about to be born. Uh, but the text says, Jesus says, but when her baby is born, she forgets. She forgets all of the anguish because of her joy that a child is born into the world. He says, so with you. So with you, now is the time of your grief, but I will see you again and you will rejoice. And then the promise, no one, no one will take away your joy. Now, interesting enough, uh, you know, the, the world uses different terms to describe uh, their, um, kind of their emotions. And um, they, they kind of shoot for this word happiness, but the Christian word is joy. There's a difference between joy, though, and happiness. Happiness is based on, you know, things are going well for me. Circumstances are turning out uh, just as I had planned. I, I had hoped that this was going to be the way that it was going to go. I got some good news and now I'm happy. Um, but joy is not based on circumstances. It's based on the certainty of the promise that we have in Jesus. And so circumstances may, may not go well for us. The world may rejoice. We may have grief and sorrow. But uh, we still can have that promised joy. So you could say it is well with our soul. We have this peace with God through uh, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so it is forever well with our soul, right with our conscience. We're reconciled to God and to one another. And so it is well with our soul, even though it might, need, might not be well with our world. This is what Romans 8 speaks of, doesn't it? And we know that in all things, God works together for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. That if God is for us, who can be against us? That nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. And so this triune God from eternity to eternity, even though we are aliens and strangers in this world, uh, this triune God is working all things, troubles and suffering and grief and sorrow, he is authoring the plan of salvation. He knows exactly uh, our times, our days, our seasons, our circumstances. He has accomplished this plan of salvation in the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, he is the one who has defeated the enemies. And uh, the Holy Spirit then continually delivers and distributes and applies these gifts of Jesus to us. Now, there's a comforting um, portion uh, from our Lutheran confessions. This is taken from the Concordia version, uh, the Lutheran confession, speaking from the, uh, the portion, the formula of Concord, uh, Article 11, God's eternal foreknowledge and election. 
And so a confession is just something that we believe and teach and confess. And so uh, in the Lutheran confessions, we, we just have this great gift written down for us, what it is that we believe, teach, and confess about something such as uh, grief and suffering and bearing the cross. So here's the quote. Furthermore, this doctrine, election, provides glorious consolation under the cross and amid temptations. In other words, God in his counsel before the time of the world determined and decreed that he would assist us in all distresses. He determined to grant patience, to give consolation, nourish and encourage hope, and produce an outcome for us that would contribute to our salvation. Also, Paul teaches this in a very consoling way. He explains that God in his purpose has ordained before the time of the world by what crosses and sufferings he would conform every one of his elect to the image of his Son. His cross shall and must work together for good for everyone, because they are called according to God's purpose. Therefore, Paul has concluded that it is certain and beyond doubt that neither tribulation or distress, neither death nor life, or other such things, will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. This article provides a glorious testimony that God's church will exist and abide in opposition to all the gates of hell. And so there is much to fear a little flock, but Jesus says, don't, uh, don't be afraid. Fear not, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give to you the kingdom of God. And he does speak clearly to us. He does tell us the truth. We will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. But there's going to come a time when our grief will turn to joy. Now is your time of grief, Jesus says, but I will see you again and you will rejoice and no one will take away your joy.